This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for podcast number two here of the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything college football and college basketball. I say podcast number two. Because Brandon and I just got done with the normal podcast, talked a lot of playoff implications going into the final week of the college football season before we get to bowls and playoffs. We also got coaching things that we need to talk about, which the first one, before I get into my housekeeping, we're not going to talk about this, but I just see on an ESPN. Did you hear about Iowa State's Matt Campbell? Hey, he got a five-year deal. Inked a new deal, so good he for did. him. He did. Congratulations to him. him. He deserves Staying it. Staying with the Cyclones, which will be he did good a great for job. them. But before we get into everything, a little bit of housekeeping. If you haven't checked out Patreon.com, down below in the description, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. It's a way to help support the channel. If you like what we're doing here, want to see us strive and make better content, we can't do it without the support from you guys. And $10, you can be on a podcast, whether it's Fast Break, Onside Kick, Primetime Podcast. You can be on a podcast with us talking about what you want to talk about. And also, go on to iTunes, give us that five-star rating, then do the same for the Onside Kick, the Fast Break, and the Rick and Johnny Podcast. But we're going to talk about a lot of things today. UCLA, they got Chip Kelly. We'll talk about that after the fact. Kevin Sumlin, he's finally... You're, like, you're when, so happy. Well, when I saw that, the first thing I thought of was, ding dong, the witch is dead. Like, <laughs> how many times... Well, and I don't mean it like, like... I'm sure Kevin Sumlin's a great guy, not like that. But I think of it more of, I no longer have to see on our page one month ago, Kevin Sumlin... Two Will months Ke- ago, Kevin Sullivan Kevin's be fired in 2017. Every, every is other, this the last game for Kevin? Every other month, we were talking about Kevin Sumlin and the hot seat. Don't have to do that anymore. We're going to look at Dan Mullen being hired as the head coach of Florida, and then we're going to look at our first topic, and we'll go right into it. And it's everything that is going on right now with the Tennessee Volunteers. They signed a uh, what was it? A kind of verbal agreement, a memoriam. Uh, a memorandum of understanding. Yeah, they uh, had both signed. You're going to be our head coach, but we understand you got to finish out the rest of the season before you can do that. Then there's protests at Tennessee from students. A.D. Curry backs out of the deal. Greg Schiano no longer the head coach of – he was no longer – he wasn't even announced – no longer the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. We are going to get into where Tennessee could go from here, but, Brain, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts about this whole crazy situation that really transpired all of yesterday? I I couldn't believe it. I honestly I could I could not believe it. Uh, when I saw exactly what was happening and why they were backing out of the deal, I thought, how disgusting! How disgusting and how sad because. Does anyone truly, and in Kirk Herbstreit, you can go back and look at his tweets, and mm-hmm. I, I, I know I, I know I retweeted it, so I, I would have it somewhere to look at. But it was basically one of those things where, do you have any facts that he did anything wrong, was involved in any wrongdoing or anything? Do you have all those facts? Mm-hmm. If you do, okay. And, and, and if you do, and he did something wrong, fine, sure, sure, fine. But until then, it's all hearsay. 
It's all garbage. It's all crap. And these people just don't look good. They just don't look good. So I thought that I thought it was just really a shame. I thought the whole thing was terrible. The the way that it had been handled, I thought that with the athletic director now, uh, Curry, John uh, John Curry, I believe is his his name is. He is in some of the hottest water now to mm-hmm. me on both sides. The side that he he actually backed out of this deal because there was pressure from fans and, and other people to do so because they didn't want to have him because of some things that they were saying he had been linked to in, in the Jerry Sandusky thing. Now, let me tell you, if he truly had known about things that Jerry Sandusky was doing, did not report them, and allow them to continue, he's a bad man. He's a bad man. Then get rid of him. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't care if he didn't have I wouldn't, wouldn't care if he wasn't the head coach of Tennessee, if he didn't have a job anymore, if he was in jail. But there is no proof. There is nothing that has come out saying that he's done something wrong. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that has come out and necessarily said that he's linked to this and then proven that he was linked to this. The Washington Post, I believe it was, back in 2016, when... Some of these trials were going on and stuff like that. His name was thrown out there. He denied it, as did Bradley, I think one of the other assistants. Mm-hmm. I believe he denied the report. And then they came out and they and they said, not, not those two guys, but a report came out. And it was, well, they may have known about it, but not until after everything had already happened and come out into the limelight. Mm-hmm. So what do you believe? And I just, I find this to be incredible. So here's a little bit from the statement from Tennessee Athletic Director John Curry. And he said, I followed Coach Ciano's accomplishments throughout his career, have been fortunate to get to know him and his family over the last several years. As reported by the media, he was a leading candidate for our position among the most respected professional and college football coaches. He's widely regarded as an outstanding leader who develops tough, competitive teams and cares deeply about his student-athletes. We carefully interviewed him and vetted him. Understand this. Tennessee football knows how bad they've been. Mm -hmm. They know the root that they've been sitting in. So when he says they carefully interviewed and vetted him, they're not bullshitting. Mm -hmm. As we do candidates for all positions, he received the highest recommendations for character family values, and commitment to academic achievement and student-athlete welfare from his current and former athletic directors, players, coaching colleagues, and experienced media figures. All those things, those are big things. I don't know exactly who they are. They didn't name them, but that's big. Coach Shiano worked at Penn State from 1990 to 1995. This is the most important part of this statement, in my opinion. Consequently, we, of course, carefully reviewed the 2012 investigation report by, is it is it Louis Free? Louis Free? Coach Shiano is, that was supposed to you to, to correct me, but I don't know why I'm asking you're terrible with names. Mm-hmm. Coach Shiano is not mentioned in the Free Report and was not one of, and was not one of the more than 400 people interviewed in the investigation. We also confirmed that Coach Shiano was never deposed and never asked to testify in any criminal or civil matter. And we confer with our colleagues at the Ohio State University who had conducted a similar inquiry after the 2016 release of testimony, which was what I was talking about earlier. 
I know that Coach Ciano will continue to have great success in his coaching career and wish him and his family well. Well, it's like the tweet that I'm looking at here from, because I was trying to find the Hurt Street ones, but I found he quoted a Dan Wetzel tweet where he goes, and nobody nobody knows the Sandusky case as well as Dan and hear his take, which matches the vetting process at Ohio State and Tennessee. And Wetzel says, not going to relitigate the lengthy, complex Sandusky scandal, but headline is very misleading. A document included nonspecific allegation based on hearsay that Attorney General, who investigated everything, didn't take serious enough to investigate. That's a big difference. And the whole thing here that the whole thing I have a problem with in this situation has everything to do with Tennessee's AD. We talked about in our first podcast, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it if you haven't listened to it, but like when we talked about Wisconsin, oh, do you have the cojones to go out there and schedule a non-conference opponent that's going to be tough? Well, in this case, do you have the balls to say, hey, I vetted this guy. We talked to the proper channels. We know we're bringing in someone of character, and this is our guy. I know I get the point of, like, everyone says, oh, well, it's a tough decision for him to make nine months into the job. Well, guess what? If you're, A, a Power 5 football coach, B, an SEC football, like, AD, and you deal with football, because guess what? Football is your leading sport at Tennessee. You're not a basketball school, even though Bruce Pearl's trying to— or Bruce Pearl's no longer there. He's with Auburn. Scratch that. You're no longer a basketball school— You've got to build this football program up. It's going to make you the most money. How do you do that? Greg Schiano's not a guy who's going to come in here and, boom, national championship. But he could be a guy that comes in here, oh, let's turn the page one, two, three, and he's the guy that turns it around for that next guy who comes in and wins you national championships. That's what he could have been. Now because you don't have the balls and you let your student body, it's like Bill Polian always says on ESPN, once you start listening to the fans, you'll be sitting with them. That's plain and simple. Plain and simple. If you're the AD and you did your due diligence, have the balls to say, yes, this is the guy we're hiring. Have the balls to do it. That's the problem I have here. I don't have the problem with the actual protest, although you could say it's a stu- like not a stupid reason, but like, you're kind of misconstruing everything and blaming somebody for something that we don't know. Like we're basically accusing him of something that was never proven that he did. It was never proven that he covered it up. That's where I have a problem with it, where the AD didn't go, no, you're wrong. This is who we're hiring. The thing that concerns me the most, and it it goes back to what you just said, Mm -hmm. This AD, John Curry, has no balls. And a guy who he said he knows Greg Schiano and his family very well, sounds like they could even be friends, was anything but a friend mm-hmm. in, in this, was anything but a respectful, I think, human being. Mm-hmm. You have this guy. You brought this guy in. You did your proper vetting. If you're, be, if you're being honest, if you truly are being honest, and you did everything, possible thing that you could do to find out 
which it sounds like they did because mm-hmm. it sounds like he talked he talked about Penn State he talked about back then he talked about going and talking with Ohio State mm-hmm. in the in in the uh, when the um, testimony was coming out in 2016 Urban Meyer Urban Meyer was a was a um, assistant you know at, at that time as well so he did clearly enough to do that and he's talked with Ohio State. And if you weren't able to find anything negative that came out against Greg Schiano, and you believe he's going to be the best guy for the job, then he is your guy, and you stick with him. And the fact that you were unable to do that, the fact that you felt some pressure and you went away with him and you said, no, we're not going to actually end up going with you, I think that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I think that is cowardice. And... Ricky, you may be okay um, with the protest. I'll be honest with you. I don't care if it's your right, not your right. I've seen a lot of people do things that necessarily were technically their mm-hmm. right that I didn't like. And people have seen me do things that they don't like that's technically my right. But I'll tell you what, I've never been a fan of protest. I've never been a fan in just in general of it. I don't like the concept mm-hmm. personally. Um, but it, I guess it gets things done. Well, I mean, I guess it gets things done. If you're on, if you're on that side, something will happen, positive or negative. Something will happen. But I've never, I'm not even, a, I'm not even a big fan of of peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. I guess I just don't like it because that that then goes into something that could be. You have all these peaceful people, and one guy could ruin it. Um, but mm-hmm. I guess I just don't like it. It's like you you dislike something, so you automatically let's go protest it. That's what our society has become. But I don't really, again, I'm with you in the sense of it's not really about them because they can stand up and they can bring the whole village out. But uh, it's on Curry to say, guys, Mm -hmm. take your pitchforks, take your torches and go back home because he's coming. Well, and here's what I think. First, two things. Three things. One, don't want to make this all like I want to bring it back to football. Two, my stance on it, my real just simple stance with that is. I'm not upset that you're right to protest, but I can disagree with what you're protesting. Like, sure, go ahead, you're right to protest, but that doesn't mean I have to agree with you. doesn't mean that I have to be on your side for that protest. Number three, and this brings it back in to the football round, when it comes to Curry, if he would have just said, yes, Shiano's our guy, at the beginning, because let's be honest, football's a business. Although the college players aren't getting paid, The schools are making money off these kids. They're making money for these football programs, and football is the number one source of revenue for the sports. It's what funds everyone else. If the football team is good, it kind of spreads the wealth. I feel like everyone right away, there would be a dent like people aren't buying as many jerseys. Maybe merchandise goes down a little bit because people are protesting. But guess what? As soon as... Greg Schiano started winning games. I bet you not more people would be coming back filling seats. Filling seats, buying merchandise, because that's the thing when teams win. And if if he was accused of something and actually found guilty, I'd be having a different conversation with you. I we wouldn't both be, would. I wouldn't be having the conversation with you of, oh, win games and people will forget about it. Because if you actually did it, don't forget about it. But if you didn't do it, let's just forget about it because you didn't do it. And... Now, this puts Tennessee in a situation of 
they've got to find a coach. And the thing that I loved best is I think it was Dan Patrick. It might have been Paul Feinbaum who was like, if you're expecting John Gruden to walk through the door, keep dreaming. Because, yeah, it was Dan Patrick because he said this Tennessee job, and I agree with him, is not appealing. And guess what? After no Ed, Well, it wasn't appealing at first because you got to think about it this way. They wanted John Gruden. John Gruden basically pony up the dough. They're not going to pony up the dough that John Gruden wants. Then they're like, okay, Dan Mullen's our guy. Mullen gave him the walk around and basically went, whoop, bye, going to Florida. <laughs> he did, he blew him off. And then they're like, oh, well, Greg Schiano's our guy. Like They were looking at other guys, and people gave them the runaround. Nobody wanted to go to Tennessee in the first place. Nobody's going to want to go to Tennessee now. And the first thing I think of is welcome to the bottom because that's where I am with Illinois. Welcome to where we are because Tennessee, that's where you are. You're with us now. And anyone who thinks Tennessee's this high, nice job now, you are highly mistaken. And I'll ask you, with the unappealing factor with it now because of the situation kind of piled on to what it was already, do you have anybody that you, like if you were Curry, is there anyone that you would look to and say, we're going to target this guy? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, I think it's really, it's, it's tough right now. I think mm-hmm. it's, I really, I do. I think it's really tough right now. I think they're, because you got to find a coach. They, they, oh, you do. You have to find a coach. And I, I, there's going to be somebody, there's going to be somebody, but before I say a couple of names, because of the precedent that has been set with the fans, with the students, with other people, with people on social media coming out, with state representatives coming out against this, that's the precedent that's been set. Mm-hmm. So if the fans don't like this next one, we'll just do that again. They got their way the first time. Why won't they get their way the second time? So that's... Number one, that what I don't like. You want to know who's the first name that pops up when you type in Tennessee Vols job into Google? Jason Witten. I he's I, not interested by the no, way. No, I, I he's I, the one. I that, read I read the story. I read the stories that there were people saying why? that Jason that Jason Witten, who was there from what two thousand to two thousand two, mm-hmm. actually could have an interest and would leave the Cowboys. Before the season was over, to come and be the coach, and then those were squashed. I, yeah, I did I would, see that those that came out, and that was completely a rumor. But mm-hmm. I think that they're really in a tough spot because who's really running this thing? The fans or the athletic director? Mm-hmm. That's the problem. John Curry, he is not going to be there much longer. That's what I think. He's only <laughs> been there for nine months. He's not going to be there much longer, especially so if, if he's especially if he's unable to get a coach that people can agree on. Well, if he's that's not going to be case, there much longer. If he's not going to be there much longer, if you're a coach, you're not going to want to go there because the job security. That is, low. is why it comes down to who somebody who somebody is a coach that could take a flyer. Who is in? Who's at a point in their season where they're like, ah, the team I'm currently with, not necessarily going anywhere. What what can I go and do? How about this? How about this name? And mm-hmm. the reason I think this is because you're talking baggage over here at Tennessee. You're talking baggage with this person, Bobby Petrino, Louisville. I mean. You're going to be losing Lamar, star action Jackson. He also and, had, like, when he came back to Louisville, like how he left Arkansas 
was he was the one with like the motorcycle crash and yeah, oh yeah. had the thing around his neck. I could had see it. Had a couple different wives. You know who I Girlfriends. Would, there are two guys that I think of because right now I'm looking at articles and it's like John Gruden talking to Tennessee about coaching vacancy. I am not a believer in John Gruden anymore because I've come to the fact that John Gruden's only going to come to Tennessee if they're going to pony up the dough. And he's going to want, like, I think it was on the Dan Patrick show, I heard like $15 million. Like, he's going to want an absurd amount to be a head football coach for your team. And Maybe they should give it to him. I don't see them ponying up the dough that can I John you, Gruden wants. Can I ask you a quick question, though, yeah. before we move on to another point? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they? If they want someone who is going to be good, who knows football knowledge, who had the success in the NFL, who's had, a, who's been a guy who just is a good coach, he knows young talent, he works with young talent all the time, has forever, why would you not want to because in my give him mind, the money? In my mind, there are two guys that I think could be cheaper and just as, just as good. Just as good. Just as good. The first one, this is the one that is might be the long, like not a long shot, but... He doesn't have the head coaching experience, but he has that tie to the school. And the first guy I would call is T. Martin, who's the offensive coordinator with the Trojans. Has a connection to the school. I believe won a national championship the year after Peyton Manning left um, the Tennessee Volunteers. And he's a guy that knows offense. And if you want to win in football today, you need a guy who knows offense? The second guy I would think of, and this one might be the one that people go ludicrous on. Why not bring in Kevin Sumlin? Eight and five, eight and four, whatever it was that the record that we'd make fun of, it's better than what Tennessee is right now. I bet you Tennessee looked at those records that um like A and M was at and be like, eh, we'd take that. I know A and M don't want it, but we'll take it. Like he's a co- he's not a terrible coach. He's better than what you got. He's better than nothing. Why not look at Kevin Sumlin? He knows the SEC. He knows the area. He knows the culture of coaching in the SEC. But you look at it and go, well, you just got fired from an SEC team. Why would I want you? That's the only thing about Kevin Sumlin, why I would look for T. Martin first. Has Tennessee called you yet? No, I would not take it. I don't have the mind for that, Brandon. I don't have the mind to be a head football coach. Now, offensive coordinator, I'd take that job in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee, they they had called me. They said I'd pro- <laughs> I, I they they said I'd probably uh, be the uh, the the uh, mm-hmm. head coach, but that uh, you know there'd be you know all, this, all, all the stuff with you know pictures and stuff like that. They said probably that was right <laughs> after the times called too. They were asking about if I could mm-hmm. you know be their person of the year. I m- must have been right after Trump yeah. said no, but um. I, I think that, honestly, it's, it's getting to the point. I make that joke because it's gotten to the point where, I mean, you and I, mm-hmm. I feel like really right now we're Could kind of just, we're just, no, we're just kind of grasping at straws. Like, mm-hmm. I have no freaking idea who they're going to well, have be their next coach because because here's the thing. Who freaking wants to be? Exactly. At this point, they have, they have now started this culture mm-hmm. where... They have allowed they have allowed the fans to rule and that is not okay. I think that with a base, you can have a feeling of where your base is at and that can give you a temperature kind of on the feeling of the of of where this team may be, of the support for this team because ultimately, mm-hmm. yes, you have to get those fans butts into those seats to make money. 
Okay, you've got to do it. I get it. You have to do it. So, in some, in, in, to some extent, they're extremely important. But are they important enough to be able to protest? To be able to have these Twitter rants? To be able to put these things out on social media saying we don't want this guy? And you go, oh my gosh, okay, we won't take him after you've already signed this agreement. You've already had reports mm-hmm. coming out saying, well, Shiano's going to be the next head coach, and then. Couple hours later, oh, all right, Shanna is not going to be the next head coach. It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's sad. It's not how it should be. It's not how it should be. But again, I don't want to forget, and I don't want to lose sight of mm-hmm. the fact that those same fans that were bitching and pissing and moaning, they're going to go to your games. Yeah. They're going to go to your games when you're good, and. For that reason, you need to be able to find someone still who's going to be good, who's going mm-hmm. to be competitive. And again, at, at this point, at this point, I almost make the splash with Gruden. Fuck it. Bring in Gruden. Now shut the hell up. We brought in John Gruden. We paid a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Will they, will they do that? It sounds like most likely they will not. But you know what I'm saying? You almost now need to have almost the perfect ideal candidate mm-hmm. that's going to light up the eyes of every single person and go, whoa. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If he doesn't get the job at Nebraska, do you try to bring in Scott Frost yeah. from Central Florida? You do, but at the, at the same time. Because that's another thing. With the tweet that I saw about him, the way he's like, yeah, if they're not interested in me and I'd be upset, it's like, dude, why are we talking about them not being interested in you? Isn't that like a for sure that they're interested in you because you're from Nebraska? <laughs> Here's a coin in the flip sides. For one— on the positive, I'd say if this could be his, you know, his kind of premier coaching job into the Power Five, mm-hmm. and it's kind of in this time, well, you're coming in, you're going to be trying to do your best. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have any necessarily huge ties with them and stuff like that. And, you know, the fans are, you know, they're going to know you at, uh, you know, Central Florida is this guy who won all these games, played nobody. Um, but, uh, you know, they can they can be interested but on the other side, is that really one of how how you want to start off your Power mm-hmm. Five coaching career? After this, you know, this whole debacle, all this, you know, uh, this this mess. This as as someone uh, as some University of Tennessee official um, and source quoted, it's a hot mess. Yeah, it's a hot mess. They're right. They're spot on. It's a hot freaking mess at Tennessee right now, and it's all because of how this was handled. You know, it's all because of how this was handled. And I, 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 I've got to believe that AD John Curry isn't lying when he said that he vetted, he did everything, him and other people, because he's not, I, he's not doing this by himself. He's got other people. He's got a team. He's got an interview committee that's doing this. At least that's typically, I believe, how it is. Um, You've got a search committee that you're bringing in, not bringing, necessarily bringing in, but these people you're bringing in from the university, and you're having them go out and talk to this person and kind of get a feel for them. Will they be a good coach? All this kind of stuff. And you aren't finding anything wrong, then I'm believing that they didn't find anything wrong. And mm-hmm. it, it, that's just... That, to me, is the most frustrating part is because if they're saying that they found nothing wrong, but all these fans are saying, no, 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 he's, he's guilty. He's guilty of this and he's guilty of that. Well, is he? Is he really? If he was, 
I think he would have probably been deposed. I think he probably would have had Wouldn't to have got a stand job at Ohio trial. State. He would not have been at Ohio State. You're mm-hmm. right. He he would not have gotten this far and not have to speak in court mm-hmm. about the Jerry Sandusky case. So is this just a lot of people who are upset just with Tennessee in general? Or are these people who are truly upset with Greg mm-hmm. Schiano? I, I don't know. And the last thing I'll say about it is this is a pro- this whole situation is a product of our time and the negative about social media. Where back in the day, back way before we were born, even when I was a kid, if this were to happen, you'd hear about it on SportsCenter, you'd hear about it um, on in the newspaper, on the local news, but you wouldn't hear about it until after the fact, until they've announced, hey, Greg Schiano's our head coach. Nowadays, with everyone first off tweeting like, oh, sources, 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 and then, oh, reported, 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 now everyone, Joe Blow sitting on the couch, has a megaphone. And this is exactly, this is, I'll say, a negative of social media and the bad of it, but I want to turn this, we've talked for a while on this, I want to turn it to you guys. Let us know what you guys think. Down below in the comment section, what do you think about the Shiano situation? What do you think about AD? Is it John Curry, right? John Curry. John Curry. Yeah. John Curry and everything that's transpired at Tennessee. And let us know who you'd want to see take over the Tennessee job. Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. I mentioned his name. I mentioned the school, but now we're going to dive into another SEC team. Kevin Sumlin from Texas A&M. He is. Fired out of here. And like I said during the Tennessee segment, when I saw this, my first thought was ding dong, the witch is dead. Not because like Kevin Sumlin's a bad guy, but because how many times have we talked about will Kevin Sumlin get fired? Is this the time he's on the hot seat? Like, plenty. There were numerous times that we had talked about Kevin Sumlin and his hot seatism. I'm going to look it up just for fun. But while I look that up, I want to ask you the question. They've offered they have a job offer on the table for Jimbo Fisher to come from Florida State to be the head coach at Texas AM. I'm looking at a report from eight hours ago that Jimbo Fisher again declines to comment on the job offer from Texas AM. I will ask you though, will Jimbo Fisher become the next head coach for Texas AM? Uh well, Jimbo Fisher has been the Florida State head coach since 2010. And he has come up with an 83-23 and 23 coaching record in that time. Mm-hmm. And also, let's not forget the 2013 National Championship. So if he leaves the ACC and he goes to be the head coach over at the SEC, in the SEC over to A&M, Ricky, this is a huge shakeup because the ACC loses one of the best coaches, if not the best coach, over there. And then, and I mean, you could argue with argue with Dabo Sweeney, which I would do, but um, I I think that at the SEC would gain such a, a quality coach and another guy that the mm-hmm. SEC I think needs the type of guy, the type of coach that knows how to win, that knows how to work with some quarterbacks. You may love him, you may hate him. But Jameis Winston was a great quarterback over there at Florida State. And I think a big part of that was thanks to Jimbo Fisher. Here's the thing I just looked up before we before I get into the Jimbo Fisher. There have been three big times we've talked about this. One was a year ago where we said, will Texas A&M fire Kevin Sumlin after 2016 season? Then this year we had 
two months ago, the will Kevin Sumlin survive the UCLA comeback loss, which I believe I said no, but I might have said maybe. The I think that, I said no. The one I not. did say no, and I remember this, is five months ago, almost half a year ago, when we talked about the AD Scott Woodward, his comments about Kevin Smith, and we asked, will Texas a fire Kevin Sumlin after 2017? I believe in that one. I said, yes, they will. He is not making it through this year. I got to re-listen to that because I want to know if I'm right because that's all it comes down to in the end, being right or being wrong. But this would be a home run for Texas A&M. And there's no reason why they shouldn't go balls to the wall to get Jimbo Fisher because the big thing that I have said, and I'm going to be honest, I stole this point a little bit from Colin Cowherd, but I look at the SEC and I see Nick Saban, but then it's like all the other coach, like they're losing their big coaches. Les Miles no longer there. You go ahead and like, I mean, Gus Malzahn, it's weird. One year you want to fire up and him. Down, up One and year down, you yes. want to fire him. The other year he's winning a national cha- or in a national championship for you guys and put you guys in the SEC title game. You don't have an Urban Meyer anymore. Florida's in disarray ever since he left. Kevin Sumlin has been good, but not really. Had a really good season with Johnny Manziel, but really I think it was only Johnny Manziel that got him that good season. Jimbo Fisher would give the SEC a big-name coach. And it's kind of like what I look at for the Big Ten. When Urban Meyer came over, Urban Meyer started it. He came over. Then Jim Harbaugh came over. Then James Franklin came over. Now they're the coaches that we talk about in the Big Ten. This could be it, too. Right now in the SEC, all we talk about is Nick Saban and then which SEC coach we want to see fired. Brett Bielema was on the hot seat this year. He gone. Then you've got the Butch Jones. He gone. Kevin Sumlin. He gone. All the, James Franklin, even a guy like Urban Meyer, leaving the SEC to go to the Big Ten. So I think this would be one that, why not steal a guy from the ACC who, I mean, right now you look at it, I know this season you can't pin this record on Jimbo Fisher. If they have DeAndre Francois, it's a different kind of a season for Florida State. But who knows? Jimbo Fisher looking at it. You know, I win this game. I'm bowl eligible. I'm 6-6. Six and six. Is this the beginning of the end for me at Florida State? Am I going to hop off this train before it crashes? That's what I think Jimbo Fisher might be thinking about right now is, am I going to be able, is this the teeter-totter where everything starts to go down and can I get off of this before it hits rock bottom? I think it's one of those. I definitely do. I think at at this point, I mean, he knows what he has had Mm -hmm. and... If I'm Jimbo Fisher, that's that's what I'm thinking. And I'm not necessarily let me let me get off of this before it hits rock bottom, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking 83 and 23. And if I could get a bowl, get to a bowl this year, I don't care if it's the Tax Slayer BS bowl. Mm-hmm. I am feeling pretty good because that means since 2010 I've been to a bowl every single year. Yeah, And I can take that over to Texas A&M. And you know what I can do at Texas A&M, Ricky? I know you can do it at, at, at Florida at Florida State, but what you also get over at, at Texas A&M, good recruits. 
good recruiting, SEC recruiting, he can really start, I think, to put together a good football team over there at A&M. Also, what's one thing that they've been missing since Johnny Manziel? Like truly, truly missing. A quarterback. That's exactly right. And what's the one thing that he seems to work so well with is a quarterback. Remember, and and that's, that's, that's one of the points that I really want to hit home on mm-hmm. is because I think we forget through all the crap and all the, all the crab legs that we had to eat to get here is Jameis Winston, was, he was a magician. The guy could be down 20 points mm-hmm. at halftime. He'd come roaring back and win the damn game. I mean, he was such a good quarterback, and, and a lot of that's a lot of that's on him. But Jimbo Fisher did a great job of being that head coach. It did a great job of helping to bring him along and get him to the point where he ultimately is now today, and that's an NFL quarterback. Well, and the thing that I think about is also, and this is, I guess you can kind of put the yeah, you can put this under Kevin Sumlin. How many times had we seen the quarterback position since Johnny Manziel kind of get away from Texas A&M to where Kyle like Kyle Allen supposed to come in, he's supposed to be the guy. He's not there anymore. He's with the Houston Cougars now. I believe and I got to do my research really quick that Kenny Hill, yep, Kenny Hill 2013-2014 mm-hmm. yep. was there. He's no longer there. He's having a pretty good season except for that one game where he didn't show up against Iowa State, um, that he's having a pretty good redshirt senior year. Like, they have tried to get quarterbacks in there. They just haven't had anyone to stay and be the guy after being a high-topped recruit, and Jimbo Fisher can be that guy. I mean, you got Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a little bit above the rest because, like, looking at the crab legs, looking at the rape allegations, all of that aside— He's the guy on the football field that had that net. He had it. He had it that could rally the team around him, get the team, pull him back. How many locker room speeches, if you could understand him, um, that he would say and he would rally the team up and they would go ahead and win that game, unless it was Marcus Mariota because he can't beat Marcus Mariota at the college level or the NFL level because Marcus Mariota is the better quarterback. But he had that special it factor. DeAndre Francois, still a great quarterback. I wouldn't say he has that same it factor as Jameis Winston, but still a good quarterback. Bring Jimbo Fisher in. He'll be able to recruit you a quarterback. He'll be able to recruit you his guy. Now the thing is, and this is what I want to ask you, is could Jimbo Fisher, in your mind, come into the SEC and compete with Alabama? Or is that me putting the ho- putting the carriage in front of the horse because Texas A&M, same side as Alabama. And as we talked about last week before the loss in the Iron Ball, every single year it seems like Alabama's up here and we're comparing everyone else to them. Well, I think one of the points that was made on the broadcast this um, past week in the— this, You're talking this, the Iron this, Ball broadcast. Yeah, this past weekend actually— um, and it was Gary Danielson, I believe, mm-hmm. who said, if you've got a quarterback, if you've got a good quarterback, you can compete with Alabama. Mm. He's right. Jared Stidham was a huge, huge find for Auburn to be able to get. And 
I mean, honestly, take take a look at it. Take take a look at through the years. Through the years, is that if you have a quarterback, if you have a quarterback that can throw, that can run, which mm-hmm. Stidham can do both. Well, and that's that's one of those things where it is going to be a little bit tougher for Alabama to be able to defend against I'm that. Cut take you up. take a look at the national championship the last two years with Deshaun Watson. He didn't win it two years ago. Mm-hmm. He won it last year, though. He got his revenge. I lo- Still played I, well. I, I'm a very big fan of what Alabama does, and I'm a, I think mm-hmm. that they have one of the best defenses in the country. But a player like Jameis, uh, Jameis Winston, I, but a player like Deion, De- Deshaun Watson, I was yeah. thinking Jameis Winston, but Deshaun Watson, a guy who can throw the football well, a guy who can run the football extremely well, that's tough. That's very tough for a team like Alabama because you don't know how defend how to defend that. I I think that when that was said on the broadcast this past weekend, it really made me think. You're right. You're right. When I heard that, I'm like, you are right. And this is the first time that I've seen Alabama in a while go against a really good quarterback. You know what? I'm looking back and the, the last four for sure, because I'm going to count the Iron Bowl in this, but I'm going to go back one more year. I'm going to try my luck a little bit because, yeah, okay, that was the year. So I went all the way back until 2012. These are the last losses that they've had. You already mentioned the first two, so I didn't look those up. The Iron Bowl this year and the National Championship last year. Jared Stidham, Deshaun Watson. But then you look at they lose in, I want to say, I don't know the date here, but they lost to Old Miss Rebels, Chad Kelly, or yep. Sean likes to call him, yep. Cad Kelly. Then they lose the year before that to Bo Wallace and the Old Miss Rebels. Before that, that year, they lose to Cardell Jones. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott helped there. He did have two touchdowns, but Cardell Jones did throw for 242 yards. Did have 43 on the ground, had a touchdown of his own. They lose to a good quarterback. Then you've got Oklahoma, and this is where it could get sketchy. Okay, Trevor Knight did have a good game. Four touchdowns, one interceptions in that game against A.J. McCarron. Then the year before, you got Nick Marshall. had That was probably the one where it's like, okay, Ricky, you're not selling me there. But then the one before that, and this was 2012, Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Like, what I went back all the way to 2012, and there was one quarterback. Nick Marshall was probably the only one. And Nick Marshall, I mean, yeah, he only had 97 yards to the year, but he had almost 100 on the ground and three total touchdowns in that game. That's and 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 we have found time and time again. I think we're getting a little. I don't want to get too far away from this, but I think yeah. we're still sticking with the point. Is that you get a quarterback if you can, can if you get a quarterback who is really is that's a really mm-hmm. solid quarterback in in one way or another. Or bowl, mm-hmm. watch out. You're going to be able to compete. You're going to be able to compete with Alabama. So that's where I think Jimbo Fisher would be the best fit because of how well mm-hmm. he has worked with quarterbacks in his time mm-hmm. at Florida State. And if you are trying to bank on that, I think you may have it. And if that's the case, you may be bringing Texas A&M and putting them back on the map sooner than later. Let me ask you this, kind of to wrap this up before we go on into the next topic, which I believe Florida is our next one here on the podcast. Do you think, I asked, will he now for sure give me yes or no 
is Jim Fisher going to be at Texas A&M beginning of next year, or will he be at Florida State? The for sure hold you to an answer. Uh, hold me to the 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 or way hold you to the wall. The, the way that he has ended this season at five and six, and if the reports are right, as hot as Texas A&M. Texas A Texas A and mm-hmm. is after him. He's going there. He's gonna be, he's gonna be with the Aggies at the end of he's gonna be at the with the Aggies in the next couple weeks. I think also that he will go to Texas A M only because I think this season's gonna be writing on the wall, even though it doesn't have to be. Of my quarterback is injured. There's no real. Like, of course, you're. we're all assuming, oh, DeAndre Francois comes back fine from this injury, but there's no real inkling that, like, or there's no positive way that, nah, that's not what I wanted to say either. There's no, you don't know for sure is what I'm trying to say, that DeAndre Francois is going to be the same player after this injury with all that question and with everything going on this year. I would take the job at Texas a I think Jimbo Fisher will. I just don't think he's commenting on it right now because they got a game to play this week. Yeah. So the reason why he's not commenting on it right now is because he's a, he's a good guy. He's I'm giving my focus to this ball team. It's not like Texas A&M is going to go, well, you got until Friday, and then if not, we're looking elsewhere. He knows that te- right now Jimbo Fisher is the prettiest girl in the room, and he knows Texas A&M has, his, has their eye on him. He doesn't have to go to them. They're going to come to him. Wow, that's the second time I've made like prettiest girl in the room reference. I've been listening too much to like Charles Barkley because he made one of those references on College Game Day this past weekend. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Will Jimbo Fisher be the next head coach at Texas A&M? And also, if he does not, who would you like to see? Because one guy I didn't bring up. Some people are saying if Jimbo Fisher says no, could Texas A&M go after Gary Patterson? at TCU and try to bring him in. So let me know what you guys think. If Jimbo Fisher doesn't take it, who would you want to see take the job for the Aggies down below in the comment section? But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And what we're looking at now, still staying in the SEC. Really, we said this is a coaching podcast. Really, it's an SEC podcast. And we're looking now at the Florida job, as a lot of these jobs in the SEC, like we said, got coaches fired. They are now open. We talked about this one last week. Chip Kelly was thought to be replacing Jim McElwain in Florida. Did not become the case. Dan Mullen comes home, leaves the Bulldogs. Mississippi State is now the head coach of the Florida Gators. I will ask you plain and simple. Can Mullen turn around Florida football? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can because he's been at a program, Mississippi State. It's It's been one of those. I mean, let's remember Dak Prescott mm-hmm. when when he was there that had a lot of eyes on the Mississippi State program so I don't think that this is going to be new territory to Dan Mullen and some people may say well you know uh, Florida they tried to go out they get, and, and get Chip Kelly they couldn't do it they try and go out and they uh, try and get um, Frost they couldn't do it from UCF and after 0-2 they go and they try and go what some people would call the quote unquote the safe pick mm-hmm. With Dan Mullen, but I don't think Dan Mullen's a safe pick. I think he's a good pick, and I think he's also a really good fit for this team. And 
this kind of goes back to the last segment that we talked about in terms of Jimbo Fisher and what he can bring for a quarterback position. I think Dan Mullen can do the same thing, and I say that, again, using the example of Dak Prescott and how he was able to come into his own Mm -hmm. as a quarterback there at Mississippi State and becoming not just a runner, but a passer as well, and an effective one. And I think that's what Dan Mullen can bring here to Florida. What's going on wrong right now with Florida? Everything. Um, I I think that uh, you really, this is one of those, there's not one thing that you can put a finger on it and go, "Mm, let's fix that. But there's a lot of different things that you can add to to make it better so the offense first and foremost you need to figure that offense out and you need to figure out who's going to be your quarterback moving forward I think Mullen can do that he's a really good guy to be there um, working with that quarterback I I think that this is really good because Scott Strickland was who's the AD now at Florida Mm -hmm. was the athletic director at Mississippi State Mm -hmm. for a little bit as well. So these two guys know each other. They're friends. They've worked well together. I think that's also going to bode really, really well for this relationship here at Florida. Dan Mullen is here. He's here to stay, and I think he's going to turn this program around. Well, and if if there was any quarterback that if Florida could have gotten, I'd be like, that's a good good pickup. Dan Mullen would be the guy because one thing, and I'm looking at a graphic here from ESPN – when Mullen was with the Gators from 05 to 08 as offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, best SEC record, 44-9, most points per game, 36.3, most yards per um, play in the SEC, 6.5, and the best QBR at 77.3, also won two BCS titles then. However, the grain of salt that I'm going to take with that before I use that as a point is... You do have to understand from 2006 to 2008, he did have Tim Tebow, who was a Heisman caliber quarterback. And I mean, I'm not trying to use that to take away from Dan Mullen, but it goes to my point. If Dan Mullen couldn't bring in the right guy to be his quarterback, because I don't think that quarterback is on the roster right now for Florida, if he can bring in that right guy... He could do good things with an offense. Look at what he did at Mississippi State with a Dak Prescott. Nick Fitzgerald looked really good this year, although he's not on the level of a Dak Prescott or I would even say, well, duh, Tim Tebow, but I would even say a Dak Prescott. That's the way I meant to say that. But that's a big thing with Dan Mullen that's going to be tied to his success. How quickly can he either develop a quarterback if he thinks it's on the roster? I personally don't. Or if he can bring in that guy to be this is my quarterback and this is the one that I can then mold into the quarterback I want. Well, a couple of things going off of that is since he has served with Urban Meyer, he's Mm -hmm. served for the best, he's coached with the best, and he understands the pressure at Florida. Mm -hmm. I think that's also really big. We talk about these jobs and and, you know, whether it's Florida, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's any of the, there's immense pressure coming with them. There's immense pressure because there's also been immense distress mm-hmm. lately uh, with, with how the team has performed and then outside factors as well. I think that Dan Mullen is a guy who comes in, he knows how to deal with this, he knows how to deal with this pressure, it's not going to get to him. He is someone who has always seemed at Mississippi State very cool, calm, and collected. 
And that's what they need. They need a guy who's going to be cool, who's going to be calm. And in situations when things are getting tough, you stay calm. You don't take the the, the uh, Brian Kelly and get hot and bothered underneath the collar and start mm-hmm. blaming anyone under the sun except for yourself. Um, I, I do believe that this is a really good pick. He's been one of the guys who's been regarded as one of the best SEC coaches. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that's that's a, a large pool to choose from because there's a lot of really good SEC coaches. But when you're regarded as one of the top ones, that says a lot. That says a lot when you're in a, the same similar category to a Nick Saban uh, for what his programs have been able to do and uh, everything that has come along with that. It's just very, very important for this Florida program to get off the ground fast and to bring in some good recruits. You said it. It's can you get the right guy? Mm -hmm. Are you able to bring in the right guy? And and I had mentioned it earlier, Florida being one of the best areas to be able to recruit. There's so much talent. It's it's when when you're SEC country and then you're Florida, Mm -hmm. uh, that's that is a spot where no one should be going, ah, they weren't able to get the right guy. What do you mean they weren't able to get the right guy? It's Florida. You know, that's that's kind of one of those. So I think that that's, mm-hmm. that's going to help with the region. That's definitely going to help. Here's an interesting thing. Can Mullen boost Florida's offensive fortunes? This is something on ESPN. Well, okay. points per game. Since Dan Mullen's first season at Mississippi State in 2009, here's how the Bulldogs' offense compares to Florida's during that span. So points per game. For Mississippi State, 30.1. Florida, mm-hmm. 26.4. Total yards per game, Mississippi State, 420. Florida, 353. Pass yards per game, 220 at uh, Mississippi State. Florida, 190. And then rush yards per game, Mississippi State, 200. Florida, 162. Now, that could mean absolutely squat diddly. Mm-hmm. If you put a lot in stats, that means a whole lot for you. And if you don't, obviously, then you don't care. But I still think that's interesting because his team's no matter Florida, good or bad, no matter they won their side of the conference or didn't, mm-hmm. Mississippi State was still putting up better numbers since Mullen's first season back in 09 than Florida did in that same time. Well, and the thing I was going to ask you is looking at what they have. Malik Zaire, throw him to the side, he's done. He's gone. He's done. He's what a senior. A, and I just, disclaimer on that one, mm-hmm. what a failed senior year. Well, it's the same as Everett Golson. I know. When oh he, yeah. Oh, when I, he left, I would have said the same. And I said the same. Mm-hmm. I said the same thing about him. Didn't ever. What a, what a failure. Didn't ever Golson leave for Florida State too? Mm-hmm. So they both left the Golden Domers for a team in Florida and fizzled. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work out. I think, I think Everett Golson's was better than Malik Zaire, but that's not saying much. Just uh, it's a shame because mm-hmm. you want to see these young guys have yeah. a really good, strong mm-hmm. end to their collegiate career and then be able to go somewhere. It just didn't work. And look at Deshaun Kaiser. He's in the NFL. Look at who won that battle between Zaire and Kaiser. But the point I was going to make is going into Mullen's first year at Florida, and I know we're going to talk about this about a half a year from now when we're looking at SEC previews and we're previewing Florida coming into next season. You've got a choice. You've got the injured this year with a shoulder injury, Luke Del Rio. He'll be a senior if he comes back, you'll have Felipe Frank, who this year's a freshman, will be coming into a sophomore year. If you're with Dan Mullen now as the head coach, two-part question. First off, which one would you go with if you were Dan Mullen? Or which one would you be favoring right now? And two, because Frank's the younger one, can he develop Frank into the quarterback that he wants in a quarterback for Frank's junior-senior year? 
Your first question. Give me the first one first. If you were Dan Mullen right now, who would you be leaning towards of the guy for next year? Would you want to go with a young sophomore quarterback or I'm going to work with the senior for my first year coming in? Who's the other guy? Luke Del Rio. Oh yeah, you know what? Blackjack son. I'm sorry, I forget. The shoulder injury. I forget he's still there. Yeah, the shoulder injury. That's what I was saying. Uh, yeah, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was because I was thinking and reading mm-hmm. about something else. Um, that's what I was saying. Um, we have to, as as they've said, I don't want to use this, but I'm going to use this. Bronco fans mm-hmm. in the NFL, <laughs> they want they want to know about Paxton Lynch. Mm-hmm. We don't know about him, so we have yeah. to find out about him. Felipe Franks, he played. He played some time, but I Nine still, touchdowns, I, eight INTs, I almost 1,500 yards. I still don't think that he was given a real good chance. Chance. I don't. I don't. And people can agree or disagree. They can say, oh, we saw what he was, and he's not good. I still think that you need to give it some time and truly have a realistic quarterback battle mm-hmm. between Del Rio and Felipe Franks and see who's going to win that out and see who maybe you are able to bring in. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the most important thing in my mind. And then for your second question, what was the second part? Can can the can Mullen develop Frank cuz Frank is the younger one. Can he develop Felipe Franks into the quarterback he wants? For Frank's junior, senior year, which would be Mullen's second and third year. He absolutely can, and the reason being is because Mullen, one of the things that he's done, he's worked with run-heavy quarterbacks, as mm-hmm. you've seen, Nick Fitzgerald, the yep. current guy over there at Mississippi State. and then he's Tim worked, Tebow. Tim, yeah. Dak Prescott. I, I was just going with yeah. his recent one since I'd already used the Dak Prescott, <laughs> and you had already talked about Tim yeah. Tebow, so people are like, you're talking about the same ones. Nick Fitzgerald fits but in there Nick as well. Fitzgerald, I think, would fit that mold, and then he's also dealt with more traditional-style passers. The thing that always sets him apart is that he is able to fit his systems mm-hmm. around his quarterbacks and not the other way around. Not and have the quarterback be like you're you're a triangle peg and I'm trying to fit you into a square hole. Exactly, exactly. And one of the things that he was quoted saying in the summer was quote, It's much easier for me to adapt than for them to adapt. Because he's older. That's, but that what? I'm thinking because, like, I'm looking at that comment. It's much easier for me to adapt than them to adapt because— It's not because he's older. Well, I would he's say— He's the coach. I know that. These guys are younger. But I'm looking at that, too. Like, because they're younger and they're still developing and maturing as guys in general, as people, it's a lot easier for a coach to say, you know what, I'll adapt because I have— Well, older guys, you hope, have a little bit more— Maturity. I have a little bit more knowledge to where I can mold mine around him, rather than saying, "Hey, you're a young kid. You got to fit my system." I know you're maturing, got a lot going on in your life, but you got to fit my system. Yeah. To where he can say, "No, you're you. I'll fit around you. I'll exactly. Kind of form around you." That's a good head coach. Mm-hmm. That's someone who's going to be a successful head coach. Mm-hmm. He already is. But that's who's going to be a successful head coach at Florida, is that if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to fit your system around the quarterback and not try and fit your quarterback around your system, um, that's 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 going to be huge for you. Also, an SEC West um, assistant coach had mentioned that when you watch him coach with his offenses, 
You see, they say that you see real football stuff, not trickery stuff. Mm-hmm. So that I think that speaks a lot to him too. There's some coaches who are really big into let's do some of these trick plays, let's try and be fancy and stuff like that. Whereas he's just more into let's run some good schemes offensively. Let's keep them off their toes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Not necessarily with trickery, but which with just a good scheme. And I think that's really really important. That again, Florida, they need some life breathed back into this program and they need some new faces and this is really good for them but one thing they don't need is to go and be all of a sudden now okay we're going to try all these trick plays and stuff to really get us going no we're just going to come with a good scheme we're going to come with a good style of offense Mm -hmm. we're going to hit you with a good defense and we're going to be changing things up we're going to try and keep you off balance that's what they need they don't need to go too far out of the box just enough well, and the one thing I am looking at that'll make the I don't think he has a fight if he does stay because he could decommit now that, you know, McElwain ain't there and now it's Dan Mullen. But as of right now, Long Beach quarterback, um, who's the third best pro quarterback according to twenty four seven sports and the sixth best recruit in the state of California, thirty two overall, Matt Corral right now, is a pro style quarterback that they have committed to them. So right now the quarterbacks look like it would be the senior in Luke Del Rio, the sophomore in Felipe Frank, and then the freshman coming in with Matt Corral. Now everything could change with Corral. He could say, you know what, I'm taking away my commitment, reopening my recruitment because Mullen's the head coach. I don't see him doing no, that. I wouldn't Why wouldn't either. you want to work with a coach like Mullen unless he was really tied to the hip of McElwain and really wanted to work with him? But the thing I wanted to bring up about Florida and about McElwain and now Mullen moving over is, you know, it's one thing that now, I mean, we talked about it in the SEC, or not the SEC, the Texas A&M segment, and it fits here. And I feel like you got to bring that, we bring this up every time, or I do at least, you know, what could make Mullen a little bit more successful with even a mediocre quarterback guess who he does not have to play until the sec title game unless they play in the season auburn or alabama you get to stay away from both of those guys now you get to stay away from gus malzahn and nick saban and it's like well yeah we played them in the season even if you lose to them once you're not fighting them to get to the sec title game i know kirby smart's building the He's building the Alabama of the East in Georgia, it seems. But the East has always been where it's like last year, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee were the three teams we talked about. Bless you. I am sorry. That really just came right on. It looks like with Florida now Mullen being there, he doesn't have to go right at Nick Saban just to get to the SEC title game. (laughs) There's... There's not enough you can say about how big that is. Mm-hmm. How big that is for him. When you don't But you gotta deal with Kirby Smart. <laughs> no, trust me. I, I, I realize that. Mm-hmm. It, it's it doesn't just because you don't have those two doesn't make it easy. Yeah. But it certainly kind of takes a little bit of weight off the shoulders mm-hmm. knowing that you don't have to deal with them in the regular season. That's that mm-hmm. I mean, that's big, but I I still see if Mullen is able to do what he would like to do. And again, I think that what he set what what he does, and him coming in here, 
What we need to all realize, and what even Florida fans need to realize, too, is something that Tom Herman said after week one this year of mm-hmm. being the Texas head coach. This wasn't all going to be finished and done and and better after week one. He said, for anyone who was thinking that uh, you're wrong and you know that you're delusional, because that's not what was going to happen. We clearly still have a long way to go, and uh, we're going to get there, but... It wasn't gonna be. It wasn't gonna be ready, and it wasn't gonna be perfect after after week mm-hmm. one. I think that Florida and Florida fans still need to have the same type of mentality with this. It's that everything may not be hunky dory week one. You may not be ready to fully compete against every single person. Are you in a better spot? Oh, I think you're gonna be in a much better spot. Dan Mullins is a good coach. Mm-hmm. I think he. I. 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 I you ever heard the term when you underpromise and then you overdeliver, Ricky? That's what you want to do. That's I, what you want to do. It, you want to come in. You want to have expectations. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be too high, but when you when you meet your expectations mm-hmm. and then blow past them, go. Yeah, we expected we were going to be this good. Let me put it this way, and I know this is a kind of really out there example, but it fits to what you just said. It reminds me of when I was in college, and we would set up for a music concert. We would always ask the band director, how many chairs do you want? Do you want us to fill up the whole gym? And you go, no, 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 don't fill up the whole gym. We're only going to put this many because his thought process was, and it's true, it's always better to put out less chairs and then have to bring mm-hmm. oh, more yeah. out All the time. because then it looks good. It looks like, oh, look at how many people we got. We needed more. We need more chairs. Yes. We need more chairs. Or... If you put them out and that's all the chair, like that's all the chairs you have, and you don't want to put any more out, then to have people standing, it's like, ooh, look at how many people we had. We needed standing room only. So it kind of like that's what I think of when you just said that was that same thing. Don't put out too many chairs. You can always bring more chairs out. But any final things that you think we haven't touched on with Mullen and Florida and this whole signing for both Florida and Mullen? Well, I would just say again, I I, I really think that. Florida, Florida fans, you got a very good coach in Dan Mullen. I think he's going to be the right guy to lead your program in the right direction. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comments section. Can Dan Mullen turn this program around? Will he? And also, who do you think that quarterback is going to be next season? We're, we're going to make those predictions already. You're going with Felipe Frank. You're going with Luke Del Rio, the son of Black Jack Del Rio in the NFL. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our final topic. End out the second podcast. This is a second podcast. We're double-dipping this week. It's been a long night. For the Primetime Podcast, mainly because of so much going down. And we got to talk playoffs. We had to talk coaching changes. And this one, we weren't really... I was like, ah, Chip Kelly signed. I kind of want to hit it. But we already had talked about Chip Kelly last week and what it would mean for UCLA. And now that they got him... That doesn't change. So one thing that I was going to bring up, because you brought this idea to my mind in a text message. I have not seen anything about this. This is just pure speculation on our part and just asking the question, now that Chip Kelly is at UCLA, should Josh Rosen stay with Chip Kelly? What do you think? Well, the reason why I had texted you was because – when I was watching uh, Fox NFL Sunday, mm-hmm. 
this past Sunday, one of the things that Jay Glazer had brought up. You sure it wasn't on Saturday? Fox NFL Sunday, you sure it wasn't on Saturday? Oh, you're funny. <laughs> you are funny. Um, but what did Jay one say? Of the, one of the things that he had said in his one of his reports was that, mm-hmm. you know, how people have said, you know, Josh Rosen, he's going to go to the NFL. And, and Jay Glazer said, well, maybe not so fast. Because with Chip Kelly coming in, he ve- he may very well want to stay his final season. So that's one of the reasons why I brought it up to you, because I thought that that seemed to be interesting and something that we should talk about. I think that Chip Kelly can do enough for Josh Rosen to stay there. Just with everything that Chip Kelly was able to do with, I mean, everything we've talked about already, with what he was able to do with Marcus Mariota over in Oregon and what he was able to do with that offense, I think Josh Rosen would be excited for what he would be able to do in that type of offense mm-hmm. in his final season. He's he's a top five quarterback if he goes to the NFL, but does he want to w- potentially try and win mm-hmm. at UCLA? Well, that's what's, what, what's more important. That's what it comes down to, and I've heard this kind of debate before of Darnold to Rosen, and I remember a while ago, like a couple months ago, on the Dan Patrick show that somebody had mentioned if it's all in Rosen's mind of what does he want? If he wants to win in college and he wants to win a national championship, stay. If you don't and don't want to deal with college life anymore, get out, go to the NFL. And it's all going to come down to do you want to stay in college, not getting paid another year, risking an injury, because that's really the big point, or do you want to go ahead and get paid? And the thing right now that I really don't know, like I, I want to say like, oh, he's going to stay in school. But then there's a part of me that's like, really the weight is, and this is what the two sides are on one side. I know I'm going to be a top pick. I'm projected to be a top pick. If Darnold stays, that even helps my draft case even better. And there are even people out there that are saying that, I would be the better pick right now than Sam Darnold. There's also the other side of, man, if I come back, can you imagine what me and Chip Kelly could do? Because you look at this, the things that Chip Kelly were able to do, the quarterbacks that he had from 07 to 2012 while he was in Oregon, Dennis Dixon in his senior year, he had Jeremiah uh, Masoli, but then Darren Thomas, these are the Oregon teams I remember. Darren Thomas, but then that last year, Marcus Mariota. Man, Marcus Mariota, I know Marcus Mariota went to the college football playoff in the year with Mark Helfridge, but he did go to the, he was a North co-champion for the Pac-12 and then beat Kansas State in the Fiesta Bowl that year. So it's like, man, could you imagine what we can do if we were able to go, that Oregon team went 12-1 and that year. Their only loss in the Pac-12 was to number 14 Stanford, who was, I believe, the number one team in the country that year. I think that it's, a, it's really an interesting point, and it's really something interesting to bring up. So how about this? So mm-hmm. Chip Kelly, when he was uh, with Oregon, what kind of quarterback did he have with Marcus Mariota? Mobile. He had a mobile quarterback. Who could throw. What is Josh Rosen mainly right now? A throwing quarterback. Mm-hmm. If he stays and Chip Kelly is able to work with him and he with Chip Kelly, 
I think that he could add rushing to his repertoire of mm-hmm. things that he's able to do. I think he would turn into not a running quarterback, but he would certainly be able to be a guy who maybe is able to get out and run a little bit more, more of like an Alex Smith mm-hmm. in, in a sense, where Alex yeah. Smith, he doesn't run all the time, mm-hmm. but when he does, he's pretty good at it, and, he's, and he is a mobile guy. Um, and He had to be for all of his years at San Francisco. He could never throw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I think could really help Rosen and add a, a, another layer with him. You're not just a, a passing quarterback. You can also move with your legs. You can you can get away from the pressure. If the pocket is collapsing, you can get out of there. You know, you're not just gonna go down like an Eli Manning who can't run worth a darn, either the Manning brothers can. But that that alone, adding another thing to your repertoire, would make I feel like someone want to stay in college. Josh Rosen want to stay in college. He can learn a lot of things from Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly mm-hmm. is a very, very good head coach. Now, is he going to work everywhere he goes? No, he's not. But another thing that Chip Kelly can bring, he can bring the NFL to Josh Rosen. He can talk to him about it. He can say, hey, I coach there. What do you want to know? What can we talk about with it? That's another layer. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. how much you would be telling him and talking to him about it, but I mean, that's, a, that's that's someone good to talk to about, hey, I'm thinking NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you why not to go yet. Well, and I mean, obviously Chip Kelly's going to tell him not to go because he's going to want Josh Rosen for his first year at UCLA. But that's an interesting thing that Chip Kelly didn't have when he was a coach at Oregon that I wasn't even thinking about that you just brought up. Like, you want to go to the NFL? I know about the NFL. I can get you ready for the NFL, although I didn't pan out in the NFL, doesn't mean my experiences are diddly-poo, to quote Jim Morris Sr. Oh, wait, sorry. Am I allowed to quote the dad when I took the son's job? My point being is he can then learn from Chip Kelly in that way. Another thing that plays into this, and I know this is dipping into onside kick territory, but who's going to draft you? Right now, the number one, number two pick are the Browns and the 49ers. 49ers don't need their quarterback. They've got Jimmy Garoppolo. That that Garoppolo kid is pretty good. However, the Browns are a tricky one. They could trade the pick. They, sh- they could draft a quarterback. They could not go quarterback at all. However, if you fall to number three, then you're getting a team that will probably take you, New York. Then you're sitting at kind of a two, to me, a two-pronged system. It's good because you'll probably sit behind Eli and – to me, maybe not for long. Not for long, but for me, it'll then come down to the weight of: Do I want to stay in college and learn, or do I want to go to the NFL, get paid, and learn while I'm getting paid to get learned or get learned <laughs> to get taught in the NFL and learn from NFL guys? The negative, though, with New York, and this will always be a negative: New York, whether it's the Jets or the Giants. They will always need a special breed of quarterback. The reason why, that media in New York is relentless. You make one bad pass, they're down your throat before you can even open your mouth at the press conference. So it also comes into that. Can I deal with the the pressure that would come of being a quarterback in New York with that media, with that pressure that they put on it? Also, you got Denver who's right there. Yeah, they got Paxton Lynch. What if they draft someone? You're meaning, you're telling me I get to go to a team with John Elway and I get to kind of pick the brain of John Elway? Many things are going to go into this. And this is why 
with this one, I usually I'm like, well, this is what I would do. And with this one, I really don't know because is Josh Rosen good enough to go to the NFL this year? You're damn right he is. However, I would prefer him go to a team like a New York where he wouldn't have to start right away and have the Aaron Rodgers treatment of let me sit for a year or two, maybe three years before that kind of legacy quarterback is pushed out of the way. But if he went to college, he would still be able to learn from Chip Kelly. And I don't th- I don't think he would drop in a year. But however, we all thought Matt Barkley wouldn't drop in a year. And look what happened to Matt Barkley. Top five pick. Who's Matt Barkley? And then he <laughs> fell all the way. So, I mean, there's two sides to every coin. And that decision for Josh Rosen is not going to be an easy one. So it's not going to be an easy one. Here's one of the interesting things is that Mm-hmm. So many people that are talking about this right now mm-hmm. are saying that there's nothing out of the question next year with Chip Kelly being there at yeah. UCLA. That with Sam Darnold mm-hmm. most likely, most likely leaving and and going to the NFL, Josh Rosen, you stay, the sky is the limit. UCLA could be running the tables in this thing. Mm-hmm. You could be winning the Pac-12 championship next year. You could be doing all of this with Chip Kelly. They're saying none of that's out of the question. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Here's another thing. Rosen could be, if he stays, one of the top Heisman picks next season. Reason being, how about this one? Chip Kelly, former Oregon quarterback Dennis Dixon. Who the hell is Dennis Dixon? That's what people are probably trying to to remember. They didn't had no idea who that was. I covered him when I used to write for AutzenZoo.com. Unknown quarterback to Heisman contention in 07. That is absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. So if Chip Kelly, I'm not saying Chip Kelly is going to do that with every single player he's got. But But none of those players except for Marcus Mariota have been on the level of Josh Rosen. Exactly. I would say you already have a guy in Josh Rosen Mm -hmm. who is known who has proven many things to people, who has shown that he's a really good talent, if he stays, really the sky, the sky's the limit for both of them, Rosen and Kelly. Because the things that, again, I mentioned it earlier, the things that they'll be able to teach each other, the mm-hmm. things that they'll be able to learn from one another, that's, that's going to go a long ways. I hope that Josh Rosen makes the best decision for him because that's that's all that matters. He's the he's the only one that matters when it comes to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see so many positives in staying with staying because if Jim Moore is the coach still, go yeah. But Chip Kelly's come in so much potential, and there's so much potential. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Chip Kelly can save it all. Yeah, maybe everything we're saying doesn't happen. Can I but throw this, another the positive time, out there? Yes, but mm-hmm. at the same time. Who's saying that you're going to go into the NFL this year and everything's going to be hunky-dory? You're probably going to have to play Mm -hmm. for the Browns. That sucks. I'm sorry. There's no getting around it. And who knows what happens during your combine or during your pro days. or And the whole thing, I brought it up earlier with, well, do you want to stay in college and risk getting an injury again? Let's be completely honest. There have been players that go to the combine and get injured. It wasn't, what was it, Shane Ray? Wasn't he injured around the combine? And everyone was speaking about, ooh, how's this going to affect his draft stock? And then he got drafted by, it was either Shane Ray or Shane Ray or the linebacker who got drafted that I'm blanking on his name, got drafted by the Falcons. 
There was Shane Ray for the Broncos, but someone else who got drafted by the Falcons had injury concerns at the combine. So it can happen anywhere is my point. Another positive, when I look at the offensive side of the ball, you're losing offensive line. You're for sure losing your center and your left guard. But other than that, for sure you're losing Darren Andrews at wide receiver. Barring any juniors who leave, you can have Theo Howard staying. You could have Jordan um, Leslie who's staying. You have um, Felton, who's a redshirt freshman this year, would be staying. You could have both of your running backs in Bolu and um, uh, Jamambo who are staying. Most of your guys on offense are staying. You've got Jordan Wilson, who is the starting tight end right now. He's a redshirt freshman. The core of this offense is still there. Yeah. Now, I know your center and your left guard are changing, and yeah, it's always big losses when you lose offensive guys. But just the potential of keeping that unit together and infusing Chip Kelly. Now, it's all great us talking about it yeah, now. Of course. Could all change in the spring. Could all change in the summer. But that's got to be enticing. And this is going to be, I'll say, this is the hard, going to be the hardest decision that Josh Rosen is going to make in his life because Chip Kelly got hired. I, do I stay or do I go? I would I would absolutely agree with you. And I that's, that's one of the other big points. It's that mm-hmm. it's not just going to be... Josh Rosen that's there. Mm-hmm. They're not losing a lot. They're not losing a lot at all. These guys are remaining intact. That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing when it comes down to it, is that it's not just Josh Rosen trying to throw to, you know, rookie over here or freshman over here, freshman over here. He's got guys. He's got mm-hmm. guys to go to. That is possibly one of the biggest points when it comes to talking about this and when it comes to Rosen thinking about it. It's that he has guys that he is going to be working with. That is the biggest thing, is that it's not just him and it's not just Chip Kelly. It's him, it's Chip Kelly, and it's all these other pieces around him. Well, I mean, I also look, there's four other teams, like how you mentioned how Darnold could be gone. That's USC taking a big hit. I look at Stanford. Yeah, their quarterback is young. They're bright. But, I mean, they could lose Bryce Love. He's only a junior. Stanford's a team that I think will be really good. It's the other ones that I was going to bring up. Like Utah, They their quarterback right now stays, but they're going to lose Troy Williams. He's going to be gone. They're going to lose. You've got Darren Carrington. He's going to be gone. They could lose wide receivers. Then the Washington both their quarterbacks are gone. You've got Jake Browning, who is probably going to be gone this year, and then you've got Luke Falk. And I know Jake Browning, it could be one of those where I it says on our lads he's a junior, so he could stay. But, I mean, Luke Falk, redshirt senior, he's gone. He is leaving. So the state of the Pac-12 could also be interesting. It comes down to one thing, and I can't answer this. You can't answer this. You sitting at home, unless your name is, your first name is Josh and your last name is Rosen, you cannot answer this unless that is the fact. And what do you value more? Coming back to college and winning or going to the NFL and getting paid? Whichever one means more to you, that's what you do. That's what you do. It's that simple. It is. It is that It is that simple when it comes down to decision, but making the 
app the the actual mm-hmm. decision, there won't be anything simple about it. Yeah, there won't be anything simple about it because you know it could also if, change if, if, the decision if, if T Martin goes to the Vols. That's another loss for the Trojans in your own division. But I'll be honest with you, Ricky. I would not want to be in Josh Rosen's shoes because mm-hmm. it is one of, if not the biggest decision of your life to uh, do I stay in college, fight for a, a chance at a Pac-12 title, and then a possible uh, playoff run? Do I go to the NFL right now? Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to get paid great money. Going to Gonna play for the Browns? Mm-hmm. Where are they going? You know, where are they going? I could, I could stay and possibly win a, a national championship. Possibly, that's what it is for every team each year, right? Mm-hmm. You possibly could. I could go to the Browns. I could never win anything. Nothing. What's more important? What is more important on that? I I know that that may seem a little silly, mm-hmm. like oh. You're getting paid good money here. You're, you know, you're not getting paid anything here. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's important, I think, to a lot of guys. I, I, I really think it is. You know, it's one thing that also can come into it that I mean, not many people would think about. But I'll go ahead and throw it out there. How much fun do you want to have? Exactly. If you want to have fun, stay in school. Stay in school. You can have fun, still be a college quarterback. But if you want to go to the NFL, realize something. You're not going to – to be successful, you're not going to be that guy that is going out and having fun, especially in New York. They they won't let you on boats anymore, so don't even try going on boats. They, they're outlawed in New York, especially with the Giants, but they're wide receivers. But, I mean, that's why I think, like, a job like Cleveland wouldn't be the worst. What's there to do in Cleveland? What's John, there, what's Johnny Manziel found plenty of things to do, but Josh Rosen's not Johnny Manziel. But I'm just saying, don't. But 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 you can't act then. Yeah, like what you do. You are the minute that you go into the NFL. What you're doing, you're a professional. It, it it's not that. It's you are coming mm-hmm. into the limelight, no matter what, what you're you do. doing. You don't whether you're doing something awful mm-hmm. or you're doing something great. Someone's trying to cover it. Someone's watching you, mm-hmm. and it's not the same. You're—I mean, they're doing the same thing right now with you in college, but you're protected more. You're not protected when you go into the NFL because the way, it's, it's open. The way I see it is, it's kind of like when you're just about to turn 18, where it's like you're more protected 16, 17 because you're technically still a minor. But once you turn that 18, it's like, oh, you know what? Now, if you do something wrong. You you don't get that, ah, well, he's just a kid. I'm talking about lesser offenses. It's like, yeah. you know, an 18-year-old would probably spend the night spend the night in jail, but you know what? Just a kid, ah, get out of here. If you're 18, you know what? You're spending the night in jail kind of a thing. Or like, eh, you know what? We're going we're gonna to hold you to it because now you're an adult. You're Especially for, like, a guy, it's like, you're a man now. You got to stand up for your actions. You got to, if you do something wrong, you got to do it. And I know this is totally off of Josh Rosen, but it goes into that of if you're going to go into the NFL, I'll tell Josh Rosen immediately, you got to be a guy that's going to come in early and leave late. You're not going to have room. You're not going to have time for fun if you're going to the NFL. That's how I would view it. If you want to have fun, stay in college. 
I wouldn't want to say that you aren't going to have any time for fun because I think that everyone in the mm-hmm. NFL finds time for fun, even Tom Brady. Um, in the off season. In the off season. That's what but, I'm saying. But 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 at the same time, shouldn't shouldn't trying to game plan, watching film, trying to win, shouldn't that be fun? I'm talking outside I, of the I, football. I'm talking fun outside of the facilities. That's what I'm talking about. You can have that in every city anywhere. If you have money and fame, mm-hmm. you can have fun wherever you go. No, but what I'm saying, if you want to be successful, like if you want to go to the NFL, you got to have the mindset that I just come in early, leave late, don't do anything stupid, basically. If you Rob Gronkowski. Be, Rob Gronkowski. Doesn't play quarterback. Doesn't matter. I think it does. The sure doesn't. Sure the doesn't. The quarterback is the most, like, the quarterback is held to a different, a different standard than everyone else. I know, but I'm just what I'm saying though is that if Rob Gronkowski, I don't think has done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. He likes to go out and have a good time and everything like that. When he comes to play, though, he's there to play. If if you're doing the same type of thing and you are the quarterback, mm-hmm. as long as you're not you're, you're not you're, you're hold on you're doing nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. You're doing nothing illegal. You're not doing this on a Week to week basis where you're going out at you know if this is in the off season, there's no problem, but you can still have fun wherever you're at. Two things: one, Gronkowski is the ultimate extreme, but I'll I'll humor you here. Two, he's the first guy I thought. I know. Two, how many successful quarterbacks? I'm talking like really successful quarterbacks. Do you know that acted anywhere <laughs> like? And I'm not saying Gronkowski like oh. Shun him for what he does. It's fine. He likes to party. Cool. But how many successful quarterbacks do you know acted like Gronk? I zero. Zero. Exactly. So and he was so saying. he was a bad he was a bad example. Well, but here's here's the, the whole the, here's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come down to having fun, Ricky. It that's I, I I'm sorry. Like it doesn't come down to having fun. When you go to the NFL, mm-hmm. it's about winning. It's about Winning, it's about being part of the, that team, that brotherhood that you've got. It's about going in and fighting for them each and every mm-hmm. week. You gotta have that mindset. That is that is winning. That is winning. That is fun. And don't say outside of football if you think they can't do it outside of football because that's then a BS question. So that's what the fun is. Do you in the off season? But that is the fun. I honestly, I think if you ask Tom Brady, where do you have mm-hmm. your fun? Coming in every week, coming no, in every morning. So not, don't, so don't try and act like they can't have fun. No, and I'm not saying they're trying you not have are. fun on the field. What I'm saying is, if you're because college and NFL are vastly different, I'll phrase it this way: If you're not ready to be a pro, stay in school. That's how I'll simple, simply do it. Taking fun out of the equation. Because, of course, you love to play football. You're going to have fun playing football. If you're not ready to be a pro, stay in school. That's how I'm going to describe it. However, that's only a microcosm of what's going into this decision because there's a multitude of things that will go into this that we have hit in this discussion. And you know what? I don't even know if I can agree with that because of the fact that I think that right now he would be ready to be a pro. But I think he's probably 
trying to weigh the option of do I want to go be a pro right now or do I want to try and win something here and be a pro next year? He can do both. I'm about to like, this is the first time I'm about to just strangle you across the table. Not saying he's not ready to be a pro. You just, just said that in, no, your, no, no. in your last comment. You said if you're not ready to if, be a pro, if, if you're, you're not, not ready to be a pro, stay in school. And I how, can't answer but, that. But I, I can't either. But I'm saying that he, I think he may be ready to okay. be a pro, but wants to stay in school. And there's nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with saying, I, you know what, I am ready to be a pro. I could go this year if I wanted to, but I'm excited about what Chip Kelly and I we what what we might be able to accomplish this year. Let me stay. Let me try and win something here. I go pre be a pro next year, and that's fine. I'm saying if like I'm asking the question to Josh, if you are not ready, then stay. If you're ready to go pro, but you don't want to, sure, go ahead. It's your decision. I'm just saying if you're not ready. No, I'm not trying to say he is or he isn't. I don't know. Like, could he go pro today? Yes. But I don't know exactly inside the mind of Josh Rosen if he's if he inside is like, I am ready to do everything it needs to be a pro. Because when I think of a quarterback and I think of a pro, I'm thinking like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, the guys where it's like, that's the guy I want Josh Rosen to be because I see the talent on the field and I just want like I know that's what makes a successful quarterback, and it's like if you have that with your talent that I already see, you will be a good quarterback in the NFL. Any final thoughts that you have on Josh Rosen and UCLA? Uh, No, but I have a final thought on you. You need to make your questions a little bit more direct so I understand that it's a question. Yeah, we need to to go to therapy, too. Me and Brian just need to talk it out. It's been a long night, okay? (laughs) I am so tired, and I'm sick. And this, it's time to go home. This is where I'm going to push the question on to you guys, though. What do you guys think? Should Josh Rosen stay in school? Should he go to the NFL with this whole Chip Kelly hiring? I almost said situation, but it's a hiring. It's not a situation. With Chip Kelly coming in, should Josh Rosen stay or should he go? Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Also, a little bit of housekeeping here at the end of podcast numero dos. If you have not already, please check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Just for supporting, watching, liking, sharing, it would help us even more if you want to support us through Patreon. $10 a month, you can be on a podcast with us, any of the podcasts that we have on MVP. And then finally, please go into iTunes, give us that five-star rating, give us a good review for the Primetime Podcast, the Onside Kick, the Fast Break, and the Rick and Johnny Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening to this one. If you haven't listened to the other podcasts, please go ahead and listen to that too. A lot of great college football content coming at you this week. Thank you guys for watching, but as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.